We're going to do something slightly different this morning. Rather than a sing and then talk, we're going to kind of break it all up a little bit. But we're going to track through something this morning. You know, we're in this season, uh, or in this series called Seasons. And uh, last week, I looked at that verse in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, where it says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And in that bit of the Bible, it talks about there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to plant, there's a time to reap, there's a time to tear down, time to build up. It goes through a whole load of things. But it doesn't say anything in there about prayer. Because I think that there's always a time to pray. There's always a season for prayer. I don't know about you, but I don't find prayer particularly easy. Is anyone else in the same category? I don't, I'm, I don't find it all that easy at times. And sometimes I think that's because I've got the wrong impression or the wrong understanding sometimes of what prayer is all about. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And, and, and just, just hold that thought for a moment about prayer. You know, I heard recently uh, uh, historians and sociologists talk about how the world is changing right now. And what they reckon is if you look at history, every 500 years or so, there's a massive shift in the whole world. And around that time, the church also has a massive shift. It seems to correlate that when the church changes, um, there's something going on in the world or the other way around. And so 500 years ago was the Reformation. 500 years before that was what we call the Great Schism, where the church split between East and West. 500 years before that was the fall of the Roman Empire. 500 years before that was the birth of Jesus. 500 years before that was the fall of Jerusalem and the captivity in Babylon. Basically, every 500 years or so, there's been a massive shift in the world and in the church and the people of God. And I think we're living in an era era like that, don't you? I think historians will look back at this era in history and say that was one of those game-changing seasons where everything seemed to change. But here's what I want to say. Could in living in such an era of change, could we believe that God might pour out His Spirit again and do something great? Anyone up for that? You know, that's happened if you look back through history. It's happened so many times. That when the world has seemed at its darkest, God has done something and poured out His Spirit and done something amazing. And of course, 2,000 years ago, that happens, and we call that day Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish celebration. It was 50 days after Passover. The Passover celebration was marked then with Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. It's all about the sacrifice. On On the celebration of Pentecost, the Bible says that the believers were together and in one place, and God poured out His Spirit, and the church was born. And God poured out His Spirit. God did something new in response to prayer. Acts 1 verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And the story of the church is the story of God moving in response to prayer. The story of our church is the story of God moving in response to prayer. In the 70s, the 1970s, a lady called Margaret had a vision for and a, and a passion for a Pentecostal charismatic church to be here in Hales Owen, and she prayed for it. And in 1979, a small group of people gathered around Margaret and the church began. And we honour that and we always tell that story because that's our roots. We would not be here if it wasn't for the prayers of those guys about nearly 40 years ago. But you know, our story as a church continues to be a story of God responding to prayer. Many of you know that uh, our team are out in Albania right now. Please pray for Andy and the team. Uh, They'll be in church right about now, or actually they might have finished. They might be having lunch. Um, But please pray for them this week. We've been going to that church in in Albania for around 12 years. 
And six months ago, uh, or a little bit more than that, in November, I was in Calgary in Canada, and I was visiting with David and Valbona. David was the missionary that um, went from Canada 20 years ago, started the church there in Albania, and now has gone back to Canada uh, with his family. And as I was in the house, uh, and we were chatting one night, he looked at me and he said, would you pray about taking on the church? Would you pray about Life Central taking on the church in Duras? He says, I'm trying to lead it from the other side of the world and I just can't do that. He's in his 60s as well. And he said, we've got a great bunch of people and I know these guys, I've, I've watched these guys grow up. I've known them for 12 years. The guy that leads the church is 23 years old. He's an incredible young guy. He became a Christian through the feeding program at the church. Like he had no food uh, and his family had no food and he came and got bags of food gave his life to Jesus and is now leading the church. So we were asked if we would take on spiritual responsibility for another church in Albania. We've been praying about it as a, as a leadership team. We've talked with Elim, uh, our denomination, and we've, we've basically, as of last week, uh, the church in Albania has been accepted to become part of the Elim family worldwide. We then are the primary church that will connect with them. Now, whether they become Life Central Church Duras remains to be seen. That is on the table. That is on the table. Can I just say, it's not a fourth location, okay? Because it's quite a long way to go, all right? Okay, Hagley's four miles, Rowley's four miles, Albania, not so much. Okay, so, uh, but, but it, we are taking it on and um, I'm gonna go out there in a couple of weeks' time uh, with David. He's gonna come from Canada and together we're gonna tell the church that we are taking that church on, which is amazing, isn't it? So, so you need to know, guys, that our fruit is overhanging the walls. We now will have a sister church that we're in relationship with. God is moving in response to prayer. And today we want to join with churches all across the nation and the world. And we want to pray for a move of God. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you saw the royal wedding yesterday? Come on. I, I wasn't going to watch it, but it was at the same time as Football Focus. So, so, so I guess that's what I watch on a Sunday, on a Saturday lunchtime. But as I watched it, I was totally in awe at the whole event. But the bit that blew me away was the preacher. Isn't that right? Come on, God. And, and it's so funny, isn't it? Seeing, seeing someone in that situation and the reaction to that in the room. It's a tough crowd. It was a tough crowd. I hope you're not going to be as tough a crowd as, as he had yesterday, okay? And the social media reaction to it. And I think, why are you reacting like that? It was church. And the guy was preaching from the Bible with some passion and some life. Come on. You know, that happens all the time. But you know, I looked at that and I thought, could God do something in the midst of that institution and the, the you know, all of that and billions of people that watch that? Could God do something in response to that? I think he can. And it's in response to prayer. And Jesus taught us how to pray. This is what he says in Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We know it as the Lord's prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. And it's for every person on planet earth, no matter what your colour, no matter your gender, no matter your culture, no matter your situation, this prayer is for every single one of us. You, you know, when Jesus taught this prayer, prayer had become ritualistic, long, repetitious, 
self-glorifying. And he cut through all of that with this amazing prayer, which unfortunately can become a little bit ritualistic if we let it. But I want to break it down this morning. We're going to just work through this prayer and we're going to sing and worship and pray and interact as we head through our next bit of time together. You, you, you know, for, for me, growing up in church and, and I grew up in church and, and, and prayers sometimes, you know, from the front were very, you know, uh, great words and, and sounding very formal. I, I remember as a kid, um, this little old lady that used to pray and she used to, and she's really black country lady. And if you don't know what that means, that's our area where we are here. And, uh, and she, she, she used to pray, God bless the soldiers, the sailors and all the airy men. And um, I, thought, I used to say as a kid, there's lots of hairy men around just getting really blessed, but she meant the Air Force, do you understand that? But it was that kind of just naturalness of prayer which I think Jesus was talking about. Don't, don't pray, pray naturally. And that's the kind of thing when we come to prayer that's so important. And in this prayer, you get your first three petitions are all to do with the glory of God. That your name would be hallowed, your kingdom would come and your will would be done. The next three petitions are all to do with our needs. Give us, you know, forgive us and lead us not into temptation. They're all to do with us. The essential needs of a human being are covered in this prayer, as well as all of the dimensions, past, present, and future. So I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to look at our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That opening line, just, you know, and if you're not a Christian this morning, and, and, and you're not sure how do I engage with prayer, I want to break it down and make it so accessible for you. Our Father, who are we praying to? We're praying to our Father. It's a someone. It's a personality. And it's not my father or your father. It's our father. It's in community. And then it says, and where is he? Well, he's in heaven. Well, okay, that means he's in a galaxy far, far away or, or he's on a cloud somewhere. No, it doesn't mean that. The original word literally means the one in the heavens. And it's used in a variety of forms. It, it, it describes atmosphere, sky, air all around. It's like Jesus is saying, when you pray, you're praying to your father who is closer than the air that you breathe. He's closer than the air you breathe. So you don't need to close your eyes. You don't need to bow your head. You don't need to have music in the background. You don't need to be in church. You can engage with your Father wherever you are, whenever you are, because He's closer than the air that you breathe. In the gym. At Wembley next week in the playoff final. Come on. <laughs> believe in. Believe in He's going to be there in claret and blue. Now, that's too far, too far. In the workplace, in your home, in your marriage, in the argument you're having with that, he's there, our Father, who is closer than the air that you breathe. And what do we pray? First, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy be your name. Let your name be uniquely set above every other name. Your name, holy, literally means set apart. It's like your name is a cut above the rest. So I want to invite you to stand with me, guys, today, okay? And before we dive into the prayer, we're going to just pause here and we're going to worship Him through song. And we're going to say, Our Father, who is closer than the air that we breathe, let Your name be the name above every other name. Let me pray. Father, thank You so much that You taught us not only how to pray, but You taught us who to pray to and that we could have a living relationship with the Creator of the universe. So now, Lord, in these moments that we've got, we've got freedom today to express this in worship, in song, in music. God, I pray that we would step in and we would make the most of this. 
Lord, as we lift up your name, let this place be filled with your presence and may our hearts be overflowing with joy and gratitude because you are so incredible. You're our Father. We get to say that. And you are closer than the air that we breathe. So Lord, we say, hallowed be your name. Let your name be set apart. Let your name be a cut above the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing, we're going to take our offering as part of our worship to Him. Thanks. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray to your Father, our Father, who is closer than the air that you breathe. And when you pray, you pray, let your name be lifted up above every other name. But then He said, but then pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom is the range of God's effective will. In other words, as it is in heaven, that's how we want to see it on earth. Is that right? I don't know about you, but it ain't like that right now. Am I right? What we see on earth, what we saw in Santa Fe, Texas, that's not heaven. What we see in our communities, what we see around us, a lot of that is not heaven. And we give God thanks for the bits of heaven that we do see, the bits that we think that's like it is in heaven. But there's a lot to still do. And I think you apply this personally. Max Licato, who's a great writer and author, he said, when you say your kingdom come, you are inviting the Messiah himself into your world. Come my King, take your throne in our land. Be present in my heart, be present in my office, come into my marriage, be Lord of my family, my fears and my doubts. This is no feeble request. It's a bold appeal for God to occupy every corner of your life. And the guys that have put this initiative together, Thy Kingdom Come, churches all around the nation and the world, I think, are praying these same prayers and, and looking at this prayer together. And um, I, I want you to hear from someone else, a different face and a different voice. This is Dr. Kate Coleman. She lives in Birmingham, actually. She's a great thinker and communicator. And she's just talking a little bit here about the power of prayer. Take a look. Prayer is a remarkable gift from God. Through prayer, we get an opportunity to participate in the lives of people we may never meet, of places we may never visit. But we also get this extraordinary opportunity to participate in the lives of people and places that are right on our doorstep, our friends and family, our neighbours, our communities. Through prayer, God invites us to participate in the transformation of the world around us. Prayer is an extraordinary, extraordinary gift from God. The youngest to the oldest of us can engage with God in a real heart-to-heart -heart in such a way that things simply change. Prayer changes things. Somehow prayer affects the events that take place around the people that we know and love. Things happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. And people change in ways we wouldn't expect them to change were it not for prayer. Hearts and minds are literally transformed as well as situations and circumstances. And of course, bodies, minds and emotions are touched through prayer. We don't always know why it's this prayer and not that prayer. But what we do know is that when we participate with God through prayer, we somehow progress God's purposes. We amplify 
his voice and his tone in the lives of those we know and love. When we participate with God in prayer, something happens. This last week, um, several of us were away uh, in Harrogate as a conference, Elim Leaders Conference. And uh, after the Wednesday night celebration finished, we came back to our hotel and um, we went into the, to the bar area for a drink, half a Ribena. What are you laughing at? It was way too loud a laugh there, okay? And uh, as we were sat there with our half a Ribena each, um, this, this lady came over to us and she'd had more than half a Ribena, okay? And it wasn't a Ribena at all. And she, she, she was talking to us and we were chatting, it was fine. Then her husband walked in and he'd had way more than half a Ribena as well. And he was chatting and we noticed that his eye, there's something wrong with his eye. And one of us commented and said, hey, you okay, mate? And, uh, and, he, and it looked like someone had hit him. It looked like a black eye. And he began to tell us his story, that this was some kind of skin infection and it was really bothering him. And as we began to talk to him, one of the, our guys said, could we pray with you? And the guy said, and I quote, I'll try effing anything. Only he said the whole version, okay? So we said, that's all right, mate, that's no bother. And so in the pub, we laid hands on him appropriately and prayed for him. And what was really good was that he was fine with that. Because I think people are much more open to us praying with them than we are praying for them. Does that make sense? People are much more open to receive prayer than we are to give it. And I don't know what happened to that guy. We gave him a card and a number and said, hey, contact us if you want to do that. One of the guys did that. You know, I don't know what will happen to that. But I do know that he met some people that said a little bit about God to him and that prayed for him. And little bit by bit, wouldn't it be amazing if as well as us praying for one another... God could do something outside of these walls. Wouldn't that be great? That actually the Spirit of God would break out and naturally, in a super, naturally, supernaturally, we could see God move beyond the walls of the church. Wouldn't that be amazing? And what we're going to do this morning is so we're going to pray for that. So I'll, I want to invite you to stand with me. You know, most Christians, just can we stand? Most Christians have faith to believe they'll go to heaven when they die. But what about believing we can bring heaven to earth while we live? We have faith to believe that we'll, that we'll go to heaven when we die. But what about bringing heaven to earth? And so we're going we're gonna to worship. And as we worship, we, we're going to sing this song, which is a prayer song. Some of it is from the Lord's Prayer. Spirit, break out. Break the walls down. And, and as we do that, I want us just to pray, uh, if we can, okay, for our nation, for our community right now. Can we do that? I was really challenged yesterday and, and inspired when, when, when Bishop Michael Curry was preaching so passionately uh, in, in the church there and seeing the little looks on different faces around, around the room, Sir Elton John, for instance, and, and others from the royal family. It was just really interesting. And I just thought, wow, this has gone kind of viral. Billions of people watched it. And now with social media, it amplifies it. And my prayer is that, you know, that, that people will... You know, Dan Walker, if you know Dan Walker, he does football focus on a Saturday and he does the breakfast news, okay? And he's a committed Christian and he tweeted this this morning. He says, you will get preaching like that every single Sunday in churches on down the country. And yet it's like, it's like, whoa, this guy preached and he really meant it and it was passionate and it was inspiring and as if, wow, my prayer is that God would protect that man, protect that man and that God would use what he has done yesterday in a way far bigger than the royal wedding. Amen. So let's pray. Would you join with me as we pray? Father, we want to pray. Lord, we, your word says that we should pray for those in authority and leadership over us. 
That includes the monarchy as well as politicians that we might not agree with. We pray for them. But God, we pray beyond that, that Lord, what happened yesterday and that declaration of Your Word and Your truth, we pray that that would reverberate not only around our nation, but around the world. And Lord, it will cause people to think. It will cause people to open up. Spirit, would You break out like You did 2,000 years ago in a room, in an upper room. You broke out and You hit the streets through ordinary, fearful, unschooled people. God, we pray that You would do something in our rooms that would hit the streets. You would do something through ordinary, unschooled, fearful at times people like us and that we would see Your Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So now, Lord, as we pray to You through this song, let this be more than a song. Let this be the cry of our hearts that You would break out, break walls down between people, break walls down between systems. God, would You move by the power of Your Spirit. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Jesus. I don't know about you, but I was... I don't know what the word is. When I, when I watched on our local news about the lad that was stabbed in Sutton, Coalfield, just over the weekend, just 16, lost his life in the middle of the day. And then on Friday, um, Faith Trust, as many of you know, youth organisation based here, uh, had a big slide, bouncy slide thing over the town and just trying to raise awareness of, of mental health. And when you look at mental health and you look at gun and knife crime, you know, we in the black country in the West Midlands, have the worst knife crime outside of London right now. When you look at what's happening with sex exploitation, child and sex exploitation and trafficking and modern day slavery and work base and all these things, these are, not, these are not heaven, are they? These are not kingdom things. And I don't know about you, but it stirs something up in me to say, God, you know, forgive us for being so complacent. Forgive me and being so apathetic. God, would you stir something up for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever we meet one person that we can bring a little bit of heaven to, that's the answer to that prayer, I think. You know, your kingdom come, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. One bit at a time, one person at a time, one situation at a time, one moment at a time. God, could your kingdom come? So let me pray. Father, we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats, guys? And you know, the interesting thing about the prayer is that the prayer kicks off by Jesus saying, You know, when you pray, you, you pray to your Father who is closer than the air that you breathe, and you pray that His name would be a cut above the rest, and then you pray that His kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then Jesus says, But don't forget about yourself, because you're important too. We put others and we put God and others first, but, but you're important too. So then he says these three things, give us, forgive us and lead us not. So give us this day our daily bread. To the Jewish hearer, they think Exodus and manna. When they were in the wilderness and, and the manna was being uh, delivered miraculously, that's what they think, give us this day our daily bread. But listen to this that I read many years ago. I will live in daily dependence on God. Today I have God and He has provisions and tomorrow it will be exactly the same. Today I have God and He has all the provisions and tomorrow it will be exactly the same. We need to pray for our daily bread. 
You know, Alan Redpath put it this way, give us this day bread suited to our need. So I don't know what your daily bread is today. May not, may, it probably isn't the literal bread, but whatever your daily bread is, whatever your need is today, then God, Jesus invites us to pray. And, and let's put the false humility aside. Jesus is a, God is a loving father. And he wants our kids, to, you know, if, I, if my kids didn't feel that they could come and ask me for anything, I'd think, what's going on in our relationship? But actually, the father says, hey, why don't you come and ask me for your daily bread? You know, Elijah was miraculously fed by ravens uh, at a river, and then the river dried up. And so he went to um, the widow at Zarephath, and she cooked a meal for him, which was provision. And, and then later on, he's under a tree, and he's going to die, and he falls asleep, and the angel wakes him up, and the angel has provided bread for him. It comes in all different ways and shapes and forms. It's bread suited to our needs. So what is your need today. And then, and then Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, forgiveness is so important. And here's the thing, why I think this is included in the prayer. It's really hard to hold unforgiveness and bitterness towards a person that you're praying for. So I want to encourage you, and we've all got them, okay? We've all got them. People who've hurt you or wounded you, could you begin to pray for them? Forgive us as we have forgiven those who have hurt us. Could we begin to pray for them and release the power of forgiveness? C.S. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And that's powerful, isn't it? To say, hey, God has forgiven such a lot in me, so maybe with His help and strength, I could forgive something in somebody else. Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us bread suited to our need. Pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtors against us. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. You know, I think it's so important. Resisting temptation is so important. How do we do that? I think we pray that God will strengthen us, but we also pray that God will help us build in some guardrails. This week when we were at the Elim conference, they do business sessions in the afternoon for all of the, all of the, the, um, the ministers. And, and one of the guys um, who's an older evangelist called George Miller. Anyone know George Miller? Many of you know George. Great friend of this church. He's been here many, many times. He's been very ill for a long time. And um, uh, he was given the microphone because he wanted to say five, uh, he wanted to say, have five minutes and say some things to all of us as ministers and leaders. And he took the, the microphone, and because he's a Jamaican evangelist, it wasn't five minutes, okay? It was a lot longer than that, but he's so great. And it was so great to see George back as the George that I knew, because he's been very ill over the last few years. But he challenged us all, as most, we're all pretty much younger than him now. He challenged us all, especially as men, but it's not just for men. He challenged us to watch our private, our, our morality, like our moral lives, and he was saying, and he, and he was really open about situations in his life and, and, thing, and experiences he'd had. And he was really open, a lot of candor. And I'm like, Ugh! you know, he was really open, but it was really powerful. And he was saying in one moment when he rec recognized something was about to happen between him and somebody else, he said, I got my coat and I ran. And he says, that's what you need to do. You need to build in guardrails. You need to have things in your life that when certain things come along, you don't entertain them. You don't flirt with them. You just run and you get out of the way. You resist temptation. Because if you don't, your future is not the future that you want. 
And when we allow temptation to come in, it's not just sex, it can be all kinds of things. That thing drags us away from the, from the us that we want to be and from the values that we have in our lives. And Jesus says, pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then right at the end of the prayer that you know, and it's not in the Bible, is this phrase, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We know that because of the prayer. It's not actually in the Bible. Um, and people believe that this was called a doxology, something the early church put on the end of the prayer. There's a little bit of debate around that. It doesn't matter. There are great words. Because it starts, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then it says, give us us daily bread. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation. But then at the end, just this little reminder, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And I want to finish on these three phrases. Yours is the kingdom and I surrender. When you imagine this scene, I come home from work, hard day in the office, believe it or not, I work more than one day a week, okay, just, just to clear that one up. Hard day in the office and I walk into the, into the room and, and my slippers are waiting for me and a cup of tea is placed in my hand, the remote control is placed in my other hand, the dinner is, is cooking nicely in the oven, there's a newspaper if I want it. What's happened? I'll tell you what's happened, I've walked into the wrong house. That's exactly what's happened right there. She's not in this service, so I went for that. Uh, so, no, that's not what's happened. What's happened is, if I think, oh, that's the life I'd like to live, then I'm missing the point. Because the whole world doesn't exist around me or, shock, shock and horror, around you. And at the end of the prayer, we're reminded, yours is the kingdom and I surrender. It's not all about me, it's all about him. Amen? Yours is the kingdom and I surrender. Yours is the power and I receive it. How I many of you could do with a bit of extra power? You know, Jesus said to the disciples, you know, you wait in Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Today is Pentecost. This is the day we remember the coming, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, He brings power. Power to witness and share your faith. Power to face persecution. That North Korean lady in that concentration camp, it was the Spirit of God that gave her power to live like that. Power to connect with God when life is hard. You know, at this church, we don't talk about it very often, but, but we really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in something the Bible calls speaking in tongues. And that might sound weird to some of you if you're not used to that, understand that. It's basically just a, a heaven, a spiritual language that God gives us. And we're able to communicate with Him, not through our intellect, but through the Spirit of God. Me personally, I don't personally think that that's a very helpful thing all the time in a public setting. But on my own, I speak in tongues all the time. And what it does is it enables me to connect with God when my mind can't, when my emotions can't. But on the spiritual side, Paul said, you know, I build myself up in Him. The power of God at work within us as we communicate with Him through this language. But power to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the heart of Jesus. Power to become more like Christ. Yours is the kingdom and I surrender. Yours is the power and I receive it. And finally, yours is the glory and I worship. Because one day, every knee is going to bow. One day, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, every prince, princess, king, queen, prime minister, president, ruler, dictator, one day every one of them are going to bow their knee. 
One day, every banker, every financier, every celebrity, every footballer, every pop star, everyone is going to bow their knee to the feet of Jesus. We just get the chance to do it voluntarily, which is amazing, isn't it? So what we're going to do as we finish is I want to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to pray a prayer together on the screen. This is a little bit Anglican, I know that. But this is something that churches are going to be praying all across our nation. And and I really felt it was right that we join with them. There is only one church anyway. It's the church that has the name of Jesus. And so we're going to pray this together. And then we're going to finish by just asking God to light a fire in our hearts. Are you up for that? That we would be men and women. And if you're not a Christian yet, we'd love to talk to you about that, okay? We are passionate about seeing our world become a better place. And as that guy, Bishop Corey, said yesterday, you know, love is the way. But love is, is more than a feeling and an emotion. Love is grounded in who God is. God is love. We often elevate love above truth. But you know, when you say that truth is love, God is love, He is both. And we passionately believe that the love of God is the way to transform our world. So we're going to pray this great prayer together. Why don't we say it all out loud together? Okay, let's go. Almighty God, your ascended Son has sent us into the world to preach the good news of your kingdom. Inspire us with your spirit and fill our hearts with the fire of your love that all who hear your word may be drawn to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask that you would light the fire in our hearts again. Spirit of God, not emotion, but Lord, your passion, your fire, your consuming fire. Lord, where we've grown cold, Lord, I pray that you would heat us up again. Where we've grown complacent, God, sharpen us. Where we've grown selfish, give us a kick, Lord. Help us realise that life is short, time is short, and there are people all around us who need you. So God, would you send us out from this place on this Pentecost Sunday to be your hands, your feet, your heart, your mouth, your voice, your eyes, your ears. Lord, to to be people that go into our world filled with the power of the Spirit, not for our sake, but for yours and for the sake of this world that you love so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.